This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. I was hope that you do if you'll turn with me to um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 12 this morning. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 12, and we're going to pick up in verse 5 in just a moment. Um, last for some time, we've been um, in a series called Church Mission Month and really examining what is our mission as a church. And, and so we've been working through different aspects of that. We started that in kind of um, the first of, of, um, of January. And the first week, we looked at our mission as a church to worship. God calls us as a church to worship. The second week, we looked at um, how God calls us to remove false uh, things of worship in our life and to that God designates a place for us to worship, that we should gather together in one place to worship our God. We looked at the third week of how we are, last week we actually looked at how do we worship one God and there should be no other God and we looked at the story of, um, of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. This morning we come to our, our fourth week and we're looking at God's instructions for the nation of Israel. I mean, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and on, um, they're not in the promised land. They're in the wilderness. They're preparing to go to the promised land. And he's giving them all these instructions. They remove the false areas of worship. They are to worship. They are to have one place of worship. And then we come to today. And today's instruction as God is instructing Moses to, for the people of Israel, how they are as a nation to worship the Lord, we come to God's instructions for giving, for tithing. Now, uh, I thought about this message and I heard of a pastor one time and he was preaching and he was delivering a sermon on giving and he said, now church, I want us to go somewhere. And he says, we need to go somewhere. We need the church. We need to start walking. And all the deacons came up front, front row of the church and they said, yes, preacher. Yes, reverend. Let's, let's walk. Let the church walk. Let the, 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 they lined up and said, let the church walk. The preacher says, we got to start moving. And the, the deacon says, yes, let, let it walk. Let it walk, preacher. And then the, he, he saw that the, the deacons were kind of getting going. So he says, now after we walk for a little while, church, we got to run. We got to run, church. And the deacon says, let the church run, preacher. Let the, let the church run. And as he keep preaching, he would get more excited because they were getting excited. He says, then after we run a little while, that's time for the church to fly. We got, we got to fly. We got to fly, church. We got to fly. And the, um, the deacon says, yeah, well, now, preacher, you now. You just, that's right. Let's fly. Let the church fly. Let the church fly. And then the preacher says, well, now you know it's going to take a little money for the church to fly. The deacon says, let the church crawl, let the church crawl. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way it goes. We, we kind of get amped up as we go to church mission month. We, says, we start talking about preaching, whoa, whoa, whoa giving, whoa, 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 preacher, let's back it up a little bit, slow it down, right? And that is, seems like the experience that I have as a pastor as we come to the topic of giving. A lot of people want to slow down, they want to... Bring it back a little bit. But as we come to Deuteronomy, it is just part of God's instruction. We see it here. He's instructing them on how important it is for them to worship one God. How important it is for them to worship one place. How important it is for them to um, remove false idols. And just as important as those instructions were for the Lord to instruct his people to worship, 
giving was a part of his instructions. And so this morning, I pray that as we look at how what God's instruction for us is giving, I pray that we would evaluate. Lord, as we are called as a church to worship, we are called as a church to give. And what does that mean for me individually? What does that mean for us as a church body that we are faithful in our worship to give? So let's stand and let's read God's word together. We're going to start in verse 5. And we'll read through verses 14. And it says this. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name, to make his habitation there. And there you shall go. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifice, your tithes and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, the free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and your flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, and all that you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not do according to all the, um, um, that we are doing there. I mean, doing here today, everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. For you have not um, as yet to come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God has given you. But when you go over to the Jordan... And live in the land that the Lord your God has given you to inherit. And when he gives you rest from all your enemies around, so that you will live safely, then, you, then to the place that your, the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall bring all that I've commanded you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes and contribution that you present all your finest vow offerings that you have vowed to the Lord and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God and you shall make your sons and your daughters and your male servants your female servants and the Levite that's within your town since he has no portion or inheritance with you and you shall take I mean take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see but at the place the Lord will choose and in um, one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your instructions for us for worship. Lord, as we walk through this beautiful passage of Scripture, we saw as we see your instructions to your people, Israel. God, I pray today that as you speak, we together as a body of believers, just as they looked to you that day and heard that these were your words, Lord, I pray that you would give us minds and hearts and a spirit today to understand that the words that come forth from your word today are not my words, but Lord, your word. And we would accept them, Lord, as your truth, a truth that we are to follow. So God, give us, Lord, your word today. Lord, I pray for, Lord, just... Um, Lord, me as your messenger today, that you would fill me. Um, Lord, that I would decrease, but you would increase through me. Lord, that you would give me words to say um, that would proclaim, Lord, that what you would want today. And Lord, help me rightly divide your word. So, Lord, I pray for that, your messenger today. But, Lord, I pray for the hearers today, that, Lord, that they would have a responsibility to hear, to listen, to free their mind of all distractions and look to you, Lord, for what you would have for them today. And Lord, as you speak today, Lord, I pray you would give them a heart to respond, O Lord, according to your spirit today. Say, Lord, lead us through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
As you come to this passage of scripture, here he's talking about as you go into this land that I've given you. And as we looked last time, he talks about, I'm going to set aside a place for you. A place for you or to gather from all the different tribes. So you imagine he's giving them instructions when they go into the promised land. And when they go into the promised land, God's going to give them a land that they will dwell in. We know that as Israel. That was a land that God would give them. And in different parts of Israel, there would be different tribes that God would coordinate. um, Where they would have different lands allocated to them. We saw this as we walked through the book of Joshua. As they entered the land, then God gave them the different lands that God had prescribed that they would have. And then he says, when I've given you all that land, I'm going to put a place, I'm going to make a place that my name will dwell there, my presence will dwell there. And where that place is, you are to come and listen to the passage of scripture. Um, Verse 6, there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes and your contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and your flocks. He says, in that place, I'm going to give you this promised land, but not only am I just giving you a promised land, but I'm going to give you a place of worship. And when I give you a place of worship, is that place that you are to go to worship me. And one part of you coming in that place to worship is coming to give your offerings. You see the imagery, you to give your sacrifices there. And there we understand they were in the sacrificial system. So that was an aspect of their, their repentance and their brokenness of their sins. But furthermore, not only are they to give their sacrifices, Scripture says you are to bring your tithes and your contribution that you present. You are to come and you are to give a tithe. You see here in this passage of Scripture, I want it, it's very clear as we start, as God gives his instructions for worship, first, giving is an act of worship. For God's instruction for them, he wants them to understand you're giving your tithes and contributions. That gift of a tithe is an act of worship. This is part of what you are to do when you worship me is you're to give. You're to give a tithe. You're to give a contribution. Um, in scripture, I think it's interesting as we've been walking through our Bible reading plan, you've been working through Genesis and you've been reading through Genesis. If you've been following along that plan, I hope that you will read something like the Bible reading plan or have your own devotional, some type of devotion that you're spending daily in God's word. But we've been reading and as you come to Genesis 14, you see Abram and Abraham and he's um, in chapter 14, we see this king come. His name is Melchizedek. Melchizedek is is seen as a, a, a king and a priest. He's actually referred to also in Hebrews, and that's a whole other sermon for another time. But this is the first time in Scripture that we see a priest and king. And, and we do not know. It says he's from Salem, but we know that he comes um, from someone and it's somewhere, and he comes and he meets Abraham. And upon meeting him, Abraham knows he's from God. He's sent by God. And he blesses him in, in, in Genesis 14, it says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, this is King Melchizedek, um, Abraham by um, God's most high, the, the possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who's delivered your enemies in your hands. So this King Melchizedek, who is a king and priest, comes and he He's from, sent by the Lord, and he comes to Abraham, and he says he blesses God for Abraham. He declares who God is. And the Bible says 
when Abraham meets him and receives this blessing from this king and priest from God, you know what, you know what Abraham does? Scripture says Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. You know, in order to worship the Lord, he sees Abraham. You imagine this. This is the first time Abraham's seen a priest that was not only a priest and a king. And Abraham sees this man of God. And a way that Abraham demonstrates his worship to God is to give this priest a tenth. Now, this is Abraham. This is before the Old Testament law. This is before the book of Deuteronomy. This is before Moses went on Mount Sinai. There is no law. There's no instructions that they are to give a tenth. It's that Abraham, before there even was a law, gave a tenth as an act of worship. We see this not only for Abraham, but we see this for Jacob. Remember, we read through the life of Jacob in Genesis 28. He flees from his home. He's on his way, and there he comes to a place called Bethel. And there he sees the Lord, right? The angels of the Lord climbing up Jacob's ladder. And there he, um, he, he, God says he's going to bless him, right? And there after that dream, Jacob makes a vow to the Lord. says, if God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I am to go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I may again come, to, um, come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that I give, and all that you give me, talking to the Lord, I will give a full tenth to you. You see, Abraham, when he sees the priest... He worships by giving him a tenth before the law was created. Jacob, before the 12 tribes were even established, before he even had his sons, on his way to fleeing from his father's house, he sees Jacob's ladder and God saying, you will be blessed. And he makes a vow to the Lord, Lord, if you bless me, I'll be, you'll be my God. And God, I'll give you what? A tenth. I will what? I will give you my worship. Do you see, for the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, for the, before the tithe was even established by the Lord in Deuteronomy 12, Abraham and Jacob saw giving a contribution, a tithe to the Lord, was an act of worship. It was just a way to demonstrate, God, I adore you, I worship you, you are my God. You know, I, um, I heard a story, and I've probably, I think I've shared a similar story like this before. It was family was at a dinner table after church service, and the son started off by saying, Whew, boy, that sermon was boring today, Dad. Little sister says, boy, you're sure right. The pastor stumbled over the scripture, and his words all sermon. That, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? The mother jumped in and says, you, whoo, not only was that bad, but the choir, Lord, have mercy on them. They were pitiful. They were, they were none of them were all in tune at all. The, fam, the father finally threw in his comments at the end, says, well, you know, guys, it's really, we ought to really not say a whole lot. What do you expect for a quarter? You know, <laughs> and that is the truth, right? Um, there is a, that there is this idea at times that we give because we're, we're, we're giving because we're getting something out of it. It's kind of like, you know, you, you want to support, and, you know, because I've come to church, and I just want to give a little bit back. And 
Um, and so the idea of, of I give because I want to, I, I, I need to, to give for the performance. I need to give for the service. I need to give to, to um, tip for the service. It's kind of like when we go to a restaurant and we um, sit down for a meal. And depends on how good the waitress is or the service is. Depends on whether we're going to give 10% or 15% or 18%, right? And if they do well, then we'll give them a little bit more. And sometimes we approach giving as that way. Well, depends on what I'm getting out of the church and what I'm getting as a service for the church. Well, depends on what I give. And I, I know you say, Pastor, that is not so. But I promise you, I've been a pastor long enough that I've had phone calls with church members and said, well, you know, Pastor, for all that I've given to that church, you think the church would do a little bit more for me. Well, the idea that is I give for a service. Instead of a, another story of a man that came to his pastor and he said, Pastor, when I was first saved, I was so excited about Jesus. I was so excited about the word. I was so excited about being blessed. I was growing so much. There were so many changes that had taken place in my life and the life of my family. When I first saved, I just, I wanted to give to thank God for all that he'd done for me. And so every, every week I gave a thousand thousand dollars in the offering just because I was so thankful for his goodness in my life and he said to the pastor but pastor I must confess as I've grown in my faith I've given less now I'm not appreciating his grace anymore and I only give him fifty dollars a week although I make a whole lot more money he said to the pastor pastor pray for me the pastor Began praying. He said, Heavenly Father, right now my brother's in trouble because you know when he was first saved, he loved you enough to give you $1,000. But now he's going downhill and he only gives you $50. My prayer right now is that you take him back to where he was making only a few dollars. That's the idea is making him more grateful of what you blessed him for. You know, these stories are right, right? We're either giving, our giving is either a, a tip of service our giving is an act of worship. I don't give because I want to get something in return. I give because of what I've received from the Lord. And I want to worship the Lord through my giving. I hope that if you hear anything from me today, if you hear anything from God's word today, that you'll come to the foundation of giving from Scripture, that giving foundationally is an act of of worship secondly giving is an act of obedience scripture commands a gift commands us giving Um, we see this in this passage of scripture he commands them when you when i find when you come to that place and i give you that place in um, over the jordan when that place is there there you are to bring your offerings, there you are to bring your tithes and your contribution. And listen, no one was exempt from this. This was not just for a certain group of people that was in the Israel. No, every person in Israel was commanded. You even see this. He repeats this again in verse um, 10. He says, when you go over the Jordan and live in the land the Lord your God has given you, inherit it. When he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you live safely, Then to the place the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall bring all that I command of you. 
And then he gives the listing of the different commands that he's commanded them. Um, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and your contribution that you present. Your finest vile offerings. These were commands. These were instructions that God gave them for every person of Israel. See, giving is an act of worship, but giving is an act of obedience. God has commanded that you and I give a tithe, give a contribution. In Scripture, if you go back the tithing issue, it goes back as early as Leviticus. In Leviticus, and also I would say it goes as far as back as Abraham and Jacob. But in the instructions in the law, we see in Leviticus 27.30, we see that God instructs them to give a tithe from um, everything that they receive. We, we have this idea um, of first fruits. It's the, the first fruits of what they got from their crops or from their animals. or from their, um, They were to give to the Lord. And you see this in Leviticus 27. I'll read it to you. It says, the tithe of the land, whether it's seed of the land or fruit of the trees, is the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. Every tithe of the herd and flocks Every tenth animal, all that passes under the herdsman's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good and bad, neither shall he make the substitute for it. He sh um, if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall, be, um, shall not be redeemed. This beautiful imagery in Leviticus, when it talks about the tithe, and you are to give the first fruit of your land, your first fruit of your trees, first fruit of your livestock from your herds, your flocks, should be the Lord. But listen to the imagery. That tithe, that first fruit, that tenth, the Lord says in Leviticus, this is holy to the Lord. When you give your, your, your tithe to the Lord, the Lord sees this, that you give your first fruit, that is set apart as holy to the Lord. It's to be set apart for him. This is, the imagery is here. It's this tenth, this tenth of your, your, your seeds or your tenth of your fruit trees or your tenth of your flocks or your herds, that's holy to the Lord. Holiness to the Lord means set apart. So you imagine if you, you had um, 10 sheep, right? And so you said, one of those I'm going to set apart for the Lord, right? And it's going to be holy to the Lord. The imagery there, you may have 10 in your flock, but one of those is the Lord's. It's really not yours, it's his. It's been set apart for him as holy to him, and it's got to, it's got to be given unto him. So you think about that for you and your life, right? For you and what God's granted you, the provisions that he's given your life. If you take 10% of what God has given you, that 10% is not yours. According to scripture, it's the Lord's. And if you hold on to that tenth, you're holding on to something that is not yours. You're holding on something that is rightly, according to Scripture, supposed to be given to the Lord as your act of worship. And we see this in Scripture. It's from the foundation. And now you would, just to kind of give some historical background on tithing, tithing there was two kind of two forms of tithing in the Old Testament. The first tithe was for the priests. It makes sense because it was consistent with the order of Melchizedek, right? Abraham saw this priest and king, and what did he give as an act of worship? He gave him a tenth. What? To, to support this priest. 
In Numbers 18, through, um, 18, 21 through 32, he explains that tithes were given to support the priests of Israel, which were the, um, which in Israel, there were 12 tribes of Israel. One tribe was set apart to be priest, and that was the Levites. If you remember in our study in Joshua, that when they came upon the land, they distributed the land among the 12 tribes. But there was one tribe that did not receive any portion of the promised land, and that was a tribe of the Levites. Why? Because they were the priests. And instead of placing, um, as they had done with all the other tribes, instead of placing um, every tribe got a portion of land in Israel, the Levites, and, and that portion of Israel was where all that tribe would live, um, instead, the Levites didn't have any portion, but instead were spread out through all the land of Israel. Why? Because they were to lead people in worship. They were to teach people how to study God's word and read God's word and worship the Lord. And as a result, because they didn't receive any portion of land, they didn't have land to farm, they didn't have crops to, to gather, they didn't have income to come in. And so God established in Numbers that the tithe for Israel, the people of Israel, was to go to contribute to the Levites. We see this in Leviticus 24. The tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I, given, I, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Since the Levites did not get any inheritance in the land, the tithe was their inheritance. That's what they were to live off of. But by the way, I remember one time I, uh, we were talking about tithing, and I was in my first church, and one of the, um, the teenagers says, well, you know, preacher, it must be pretty good to be a preacher. And I said, okay, what do you mean by that? Well, if you're a preacher, you don't have to tithe. And I was like, whoa, 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 no, 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 you got this all off, buddy. I, I don't get an exemption card because I'm a, I'm a pastor. And so, uh, and, and pastors and priests in the Old Testament did not get an exemption card. Scripture says in Leviticus 25, 26, moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, when you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I have given um, um, you from them, your, from your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe, uh, pat, the priests and pastors are, are to tithe 10% of what they received as a contribution. We, you see this imagery that there was a tithe that were for the Levites. They were tithed for the priests. That's where the contribution was given to them. Why? Because they did not receive an inheritance in the land. They had no way to take care of themselves because they didn't have their own land to live in the Jordan. There was also another tithe in Scripture, and we see this in Deuteronomy 14, um, 28 um, and 29. If you skip um, a chapter over, you see the latter part of the um, chapter. It says, at the end of three years, you shall bring out all the tithes from your produce in the same year and lay it up for you, within your towns. And a Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and a sojourner, and the fatherless, and the widow within your town shall come and eat and be filled. There was this tithe that was given every three years. They were to give a, an additional tithe. I would say every year, all of Israel was expected to give a tenth, a tithe of their, of their first fruits um, to um, that place. Shiloh is where it started, and eventually when it would be Jerusalem later on. All of Israel were supposed to come and bring their tithe. But beyond that, every three years, there was another tithe that was given. And that tithe was given to the widows and the orphans. Those who were um, sojourners, the fatherless, Scripture says. 
And in those towns, as they would come together, they were the, the, those who were hurting in the community. Those were fathers, weak wid- widows, sojourners would come in the town and they would be filled from the tithing. It was a, another time for the, I guess if you, the ones who had um, suffered and those who had, um, had misfortune. So it was a tithe for that. But I want you to see at the end of 29, I want you to see what happens here. It says, um, who were within your town shall come and eat and be filled. And listen to what it says, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. That last statement actually goes back to the very beginning. At the end of three years, you shall bring out all the tithes of your produce in the same year that I lay up for you. Um, lay it up within your towns. And then there's a connection at the end that your Lord, your God may bless you in all the work of your hands and all that you do. You see, for Israel, tithing wasn't a burden. Tithing was a blessing. To give and to tithe was an act of worship, but it was also a blessing, not a burden. It's this imagery that they believed that a way they expressed their love and their trust for God was to give. And if they gave to the Lord, then there was no threat of their security. Why? Because it was already the Lord's in the first place. It was never mine in the very beginning. It was always his. So I'm only just giving back to what he's already set apart for himself. And if I gave, then God would bless me. And that's what we see in this passage of scripture. If you tithe, right, tithe in order that the Lord may bless you in the work of your hands, they believed, Lord, by me giving It's not going to be a burden to me, but by me giving, in turn, it's going to be a blessing to me. I think many times we lose sight that um, giving is an act of worship, but many times we lose sight that giving is an act of obedience. And in in turn, we think that giving is an act of a burden. Ah, here comes the preacher again. He's going to preach on giving again. Let's just endure. Let's just make it through. Uh, Make it through to the end. Oh, we, we, we get our, our, our little statements at the end of the year and we look at what we gave last week, last year and we think, oh, look at all that money that we gave to the Lord. What I could have done with that money if I wouldn't have given it to the church. We see that giving becomes like a burden instead of saying, God, well, this was yours. It's never mine. And God, it's a blessing to give to you. And God, when I give... God, it's then that I see the real blessing in return. You know, I think one of the great examples of this is something we've seen in our world lately. I don't know if you know who David Green is, but David Green is the owner of Hobby Lobby. Um, Hobby Lobby, the owner of Hobby Lobby, and I know um, most of you know what Hobby Lobby is. Probably all the ladies here know what Hobby Lobby is. (laughs) Amen. See, I I got an amen this morning. Um, but Hobby, he is a Christian, he's a believer, and just recently last year, he gave his business, ownership of his business away. He says this, quote um, David Green, he says, for me, the source of truth has always been prayer in the Bible. I truly believe that le- if, if leaders pray and seek truth in the Bible, that their business will be revolutionized. For instance, the Bible talks about giving a tithe or 10%. He says, in fact, tithing is one of those areas where God 
specifically challenges us to give and see if he won't throw open the windows of blessing like in Malachi 3.10. Can you imagine what would happen if every top leader in business became a tither? There would literally be billions available for good work around us. You know, I want to take David Green's statement a little further for our context. What if every church member would become a tither? What if every church member would say, God, 10% is yours, it's not mine. And God, I'm going to give back to you. And God, then let me wait and see just how you'll bless me. Malachi 10 says, just what he says, um, David Green references, bring me the full, listen, the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God says in Malachi, Put, God says to you, can you think, just imagine the Lord saying to you, put me to the test. Test me, God says. There's one place in scripture where we say, God says, it is okay for you to test him. And when does it come? What, what is he talking about? He says, test me on your giving. Bring the full tithe to the storehouse and do not see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you. And pour down blessings upon you, and there'll be no more need in you. Can I encourage you, church, family, put God to the test. Give him what is rightly his, and don't see if God pour out his blessing on you. Billy Graham says this. I, I thought this was profound. Billy Graham says in one of his sermons called Partners with God, one of the greatest sins in America today is the fact that we're robbing God and that, we're, that which is rightly belongs to him when we do not tithe. We shirk at just, a, just debt. We're actually not giving when we give one-tenth, for it belongs to him already. This is a debt we owe. It's not until we've given him a tenth do we actually begin making an offering to the Lord? I think it's a powerful statement, isn't it? It goes to that imagery of full tenth, a full tithe, right? What Billy Graham is saying, that if we're not giving to God the full tenth, we're robbing from God. We're, we're holding back what rightly is his, but it's not until we actually give him the tenth and above they were actually giving a gift to him. I encourage you today, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of obedience. It's not to be a burden. It's to be a blessing. And God wants to bless you when we're faithful to give. Lastly, I want to close with this. Giving your best is required. Giving your best is required. In this scripture in Deuteronomy 12 and Deuteronomy 14 and on, you see the imagery, the firstborn of the flock is to be set aside for the Lord. 
the firstborn, the first of the field, the first of the seed, the first is to give to the Lord. You see in um, Deuteronomy 12, 11, look at the imagery there. He says, I mean, 12, 11, he says, then to the place the Lord your God will choose to make your name dwell there. There you shall bring all that I command you, burnt offerings, your sacrifice, your tithe, and the contribution that you present. And listen to this. And all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. You're to give God your finest, your best. It was commanded from that from the very beginning. We saw that in Deuteronomy um, 14, 22. He says the same imagery of the best, the firstborn flock. And Malachi, as the passage I just referenced, at the beginning of Malachi, the prophet um, God gives the prophet Malachi a word for Israel. And one of the words that the Lord speaks through Malachi to the people of Israel is these words. He says to Israel, church body or or, or, um, nation that is my people, I should say better describe them. You are my people. I'm supposed to be your God. For people who are my people, if you say that I'm your father, then where is my honor? You know, Scripture tells us you're to honor your father and mother. Based upon that premise, the Lord says, Israel, if I am your father, then where's my honor? He says to the nation Israel, if I am your master, then where is my fear? People of God, if you are, say, you're our king, you're our Lord, Lord, we are serve you. And he says, then where is my fear? He says this in turn in Malachi chapter 1. There's no honor for me, Israel. There's no fear for me. But instead of giving me honor, instead of you giving me fear, you despise my name. And how does he say they despise the Lord's name? Through their giving. In Malachi chapter 1, he says, you give me not your best, but you give me the worst. You give me the blind. You give me the lame. You give me the sick sacrifices. You give me the blind of your flock, the lame of your flock, the sick of your um, flock. You give me the leftovers of your life. And instead of giving me honor, instead of giving me fear, you despise me through your giving. As we look through this passage of scripture and we see that God requires our very best. Malachi, he says to them, you are not giving me your best, but you're giving me your leftovers. I think many times we, when it comes to giving, if we're really, really honest, we don't see giving as an act of worship. We think it's just something I... I give in return of service. Many times we don't see giving as an act of obedience. We see it as a burden. Reality is many times when it comes to giving, we just give God what's ever left. Whatever's left that we have, or the scraps of our life, we give to the Lord. And then we ask, God, bless me. God, I want your blessing in my life. God, I'm not really willing to give you the very best of my life. 
are really the best of my worship. I'll give you just what's left of, of, of me, what's left of my giving. I'll give to you, and then God bless me. That's what the people of Israel were doing at that day. And many times, if we're real honest, that's what we're doing as well in our giving. And when it comes down to it, I think it really comes down to Mark chapter 2. I mean, not Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 12. Here's this, we just read this last week. Here's this, the Lord watching the treasury, right? And there were people, and I'll read it to you. Jesus, and he sat down opposite the treasure, and he watched people putting money in an offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put two small corns, which made a penny. And he called his disciple and said to them, Truly I say to this poor widow, has put more in than all those who contributed to the offering box. For they contributed out of their abundance. But she gave out of her poverty um, and has put everything that she had and all that she had lived on. She had very little. But listen, she gave the Lord her very best. I don't know where you are today. I don't know whether you have a lot or little. But I tell you today, the Lord deserves our best. Scripture says... Um, in Matthew, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think many times when it comes to giving, it's a heart issue. Where our treasure is, is where our heart is. Can I say to you, may your heart demonstrate your love for the Lord through how you give to the Lord. And say, God, I don't want to hold anything back from you, but God, I want to give you my very best. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture today. Lord, I think so many times when it comes to our giving, when it comes to money, it becomes a a subject that we don't want to consider, we don't want to evaluate, we don't want to think about. Especially when in regards to our worship. Or many times we want to hold on to things and not truly evaluate, Lord, what is it? What does it say about our worship? Lord, I pray today that we would see that, Lord, our giving is an act of our worship. That, God, we are to give because you call us to give. And, Lord, because you want it to be a blessing, you don't want it to be a burden. Lord, I pray today we would see, Lord, that you really deserve our best. The best of our time, the best of our talents the best of our life. God, you deserve our best. And God, you deserve the best of our giving. And so, Lord, I pray today we as a people would do some heart inventory today. Where is our giving? Where is our 
worship today. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you held nothing back when you gave us your very best. When you gave us the firstborn of your flock, when you gave us your son, Jesus. You left, held nothing back from us, but Lord, you gave us your very best, your only son. He lived and died on this earth and rose again that we can have the very best, God, that you give us in salvation and a right relationship with you. And Lord, may that, the receiving of that gift, may we want to give back to you, God, what is yours. Lord, we love you. I pray you lead us in a time of invitation. I pray some need to come to this altar and pray. I pray they do that. Pray some just need to come and, and, and maybe need some prayer. I pray today that they, you'd lead them to come. I'd love to pray with them today. Or however you lead us, Lord, may we respond. In your name we pray. Amen. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. 